0: Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. Um, we are continuing a series we started a few weeks ago called "Identity," And the series is all about us looking at the lies that too many times Christians believe that undermine our walk with Christ and our faith in Jesus. Uh, It ultimately undermines our ability to find our identity in Jesus Christ, because that's where we should be finding our identity, uh, first and foremost. And so what we've done is we've taken uh, some ideas by a man named Henry now, and and he is a pretty um, uh, uh, well-known author, pastor, theologian, and he passed away a few years ago, but he had these, these ideas, this five lies of identity that he propagated. And uh, we've gone through a few of these over the last few weeks, and we've got a couple more weeks left. But week one, we talked about this lie that I am what I have, that, that my possessions define me. Uh, week two, we talked about the lie, I am what I do, that what I accomplish defines me that's who I am week three last week we talked about the lie I am what other people say or think of me Uh, this lie that that my reputation defines me what people say about me what people think that's who I am and this week we're going to talk about the lie that I am nothing less than my best moment I'm nothing less than my best moment this is uh, really we're talking about pride today and pride is interesting because it's, it's a sin that most people don't think they deal with. And it kind of reminds me of greed a little bit because people never say they're greedy. I've never, ever, ever had somebody come to me and say, Pastor, I'm really struggling in sin. What's going on? Well, I'm really struggling with greed. Nobody's ever confessed that to me. That's rooted out at times later because what people do is they will veil greed with something else. They'll say, well, I'm not greedy. I'm thrifty. I'm thrifty. Right? Well, I'm not greedy. Uh, I'm just practical. I'm just, and so they, they veil it as something else. And pride is kind of the same way. Um, pride can look like lots of different things. Um, I think typically we think of it in a very very narrow sense that it is the um, the arrogant, uh, cocky person that's pride. But really, it can look lots of different ways. Um, pride might be. Uh, it might look like it's somebody who's arrogant, but really it's not about arrogance, it's about a defense mechanism. Because I've met some people that you would think that they were arrogant, but it really they weren't. They were insecure. And what they did is they used pride as a defense mechanism because they said, if, if I believe that I'm better than everyone, if I'm rejected by someone, if, if I'm not affirmed, if I'm not loved by someone, then I don't have to care because I'm better than they are anyway. And so it's really not about this idea that I am superior. It really is more about I'm afraid that I'm not superior. And so I'm gonna defend myself. I'm gonna guard myself. Um, pride looks lots of different ways in lots of different circumstances. Uh, it might be in the form of comparison. And comparison will wreck relationships. Um, it's amazing how comparison in a marriage Uh, It can be something as simple as, uh, I always do this and they never do that. What are we doing? We're comparing. And there's a sense of pride behind that. I'm the good spouse. I do this. They're the bad spouse. They don't. And what we're doing is we're identifying ourselves by our best moment. Um, I I always fix breakfast for my wife in bed. No, you did it one Mother's Day six years ago, (laughs) right? Let's be honest. What we've done though is we've defined ourselves by our best moment. I'm nothing less than my best moment. That's who I am as a spouse. But my spouse, they do this and this and this. So clearly, this is pride. And what happens is it breaks down relationships, it breaks down friendships, it breaks down our relationship with God. Pride will will distance us from God's best for our lives. At the end of the day, pride is worship of myself. It's making me the center focus. This is where um, pride, in a a strange sense, um, victimhood is pride. Because the world revolves around me and my loss, my hurt, my pain. I'm the victim, so the world is about me. That is an aspect of pride in our lives. So even these things, the world revolves around me, the universe revolves around me, that is pride. And pride leads ultimately to every vice and every sin in our lives. Um, St. Augustine said this, it was pride that changed angels into devils. It is humility that makes men as angels. So if, if pride can make The devil, out of an angel, what will pride do to you and I? Um, When I think of pride, I think about a movie that I I used to watch back in the day. Um, And there was a character in the movie. His name was Uncle Rico. Does anybody know what movie I might be talking about, Uncle Rico? Uncle Rico was this uh, adult man who had this stunted identity because he uh, was a high school athlete And he never had the opportunity to go pro because his coach hated him, is what he said. Now, I know you've never met anyone like that in your life, that they would have gone all the way if it wasn't for their coach, right? But there are people that they get frozen in their best moment. That is who they are. And Uncle Rico would say longingly about the good old days, and he'd say, I could throw a football over them mountains. Now, what was he doing? He was living in his best moment. And that was it. Have you ever been to, do you remember, does anybody remember like state or county fairs? Does anybody remember? A long time ago, they used to have public gatherings where people come together and listen to bad music and they would eat really healthy food. Does anybody remember that? Oh, state and county fairs. Now listen, um, they would bring in sometimes good bands relatively speaking, and then sometimes there'd be that one band that they would be like, um, they had one hit in 1987, and now they just made their living off of that band, off that song, right? They would go venue to venue. Any place you could buy a funnel cake, you could hear them play their music, right? And they would go from county fair to county fair, and they would play their one big hit, and that's it, because that's all they had, but that's who they are in their mind, that one big hit. We can do the same thing in our lives where we live off of our one big hit and we say that is who we are and at the end of the day, that is not who we are. Um, some of us have that Uncle Rico syndrome and we don't even realize it. Some of us are dealing with pride and it it's, it's so easily, it's so easily um, deceives us that we don't even realize we're dealing with Pride. So I wanna ask you a few questions, and I'm gonna ask you some questions at the end of our our time together today as well. So I wanna ask you some questions, and I just want you to answer these in your own mind. Are you easily offended? Statistically, probably a lot of you are because uh, I look at social media and it looks like that's all that is in our world is offense. But are you easily offended? Do I have little or no dependence on the Holy Spirit? So do I, do I ask God for his input in my life? Am I asking the Holy Spirit to guide me in my life? Do I have trouble with authority? And you might, not, you might say, no, I do not, but authority has trouble with me. I don't have trouble with authority, but my last 13 bosses, all of all hated my guts. Maybe you've got trouble with authority. Maybe it wasn't your bosses, maybe it was you. Do I have trouble apologizing? You, you know that person, right? They can't say they're sorry, so they'll say something like they're sorry, but they never actually say it. Am I unwilling to admit that I was wrong? You might be the person who says, well, I don't have to do that because I'm never wrong. Do I turn criticism on other people? When I'm criticized, even if it's in the right spirit, and the right heart, Do I get defensive and turn it back on them? If so, you might be dealing with pride. I want to walk through a story with you today. The story takes place about 780 BC. Um, The story is about a young man named Uzziah. He was a 16 year old, he inherited the throne of the southern kingdom of judah the northern kingdom of israel and the southern kingdom of judah had split off were two unique kingdoms at this point um and uzziah takes the throne he becomes the king as a 16 year old boy 16 he becomes king i'm uncomfortable with 16 year old boys driving cars publicly (laughs) let alone being in charge of a country um and all of a sudden this makes uh, Joe Biden and uh, and Donald Trump not seem so bad. If a 16-year-old hormonal boy or one of those guys, eh, I'd take my chances with those guys, I think, over some hormonal kid. But he takes the throne and he does really well. We'll start in 2nd Chronicles chapter 26. We'll begin in verse 3. It says this, Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem 52 years. His mother's name was Jecoliah, and she was from Jerusalem. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father Amaziah had done. He sought God during the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God. As long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. I love this so much. He sought God during the days of Zechariah. So what we see is Zechariah was his teacher. Zechariah trained him, discipled him, developed him, poured into him, and he helped him understand how we as human beings, and specifically how Uzziah related to the God of the universe, and how does the God of the universe relate to him. He helped him understand what relationship with God was supposed to look like. He helped him understand that, that if you will submit your heart to God, God will bless, God will work, God will bring success. And that's what we see. Now the problem is the way we define success is not the same way God defines success. So we define success and we think it's going to be power and wealth and authority and all these kind of things. But that's not always the case. Now this is kind of ironic because it is the case in this story, but it's not normally the case. When God brings success, uh, success looks very different in the God's economy than it does in the earthly economy. Success for us might mean fruitfulness in the kingdom of God. It might not mean the bigger office. It might not mean the nicer car. It might not mean the bigger house. But that's the way we define success many times. But, but one of the things I love is that Zechariah helped Uzziah understand what success really was. Helped him understand how to relate to God, how to love God well. And so what do we see? Well, as long as he sought God, God gave him success. As long as his heart was submitted to God, God brought increase. God blessed him. Verses six through 14, it's interesting kind of, gives his resume, here's all the things that, that Uzziah accomplished as king, here's the things that he did, here's how he expanded the borders, here's how he uh, trained their armies, here's how he built and developed, here's how he, um, he, he developed farmlands and all these kind of things. But what's interesting about this passage is it's clear when you're reading it that he didn't do it all, that there were people supporting him that he had this well-trained army of over 300,000 men, but he didn't go through training these men. There were people who trained the men. Um, there were farmers who developed the land. He didn't do it himself, there were people who did it. And one of the things about the role I'm in is I get way too much credit for what has happened at our church over the last few years. Um, I say this and I mean it with all sincerity. God has done what he's done here, and I've been blessed to be able to be a part of it. Um, I'm fortunate to get to lead this church. Um, I'm not a gift to this church. You're not so lucky to have me. Like, that is not the way I look at it at all. Um, Jokingly, we've been in Blairsville, and I've done tours, and people will be walking around, and they'll go, oh my gosh, this looks so good. And I'll go, yeah, I know, I did it myself. (laughs) I painted it all. I did all the, the drywall. I Put the ceiling, I did it myself. And I'll, I'm joking with them and they'll laugh. And I go, no, man, it's been incredible. I, I, didn't, I didn't paint one thing down there. I didn't put any of the carpet down. I didn't do any of the work. But I get credit for it. That's not fair because we've got a whole bunch of people who've been doing stuff. Obviously, God's at work doing something. But beyond that, um, we've got a team. We've got people. Uh, if you don't know Craig Enfield, you need to. He's our facility director. He's led our project down there. He's done great. Craig's been down there all the time. He hasn't had a day off in like eight months. I'm not kidding. And I haven't made him do that, by the way. I've told him he needs to take off. But he's just stubborn. So if you see Craig, tell him to take a day off. How about that? But Craig's been down there working. He's had teams of people. We've had contractors. We've had people doing the work. But yet, people are gonna come to me and go, man, what a great job. I didn't do anything down there, right? I literally am just the one who said, we need to do this. And people are all right. And they did the work. Here at this church, I get credit, but you know what? We've got the best team of pastors and staff anywhere. And I'm not saying that just because you have to, because you've all been to churches where the pastor's like, don't we have the best church in the world? And people were like, (laughs) Don't we have the greatest staff? And they're like, um, you know. So I wouldn't say it if I didn't mean it. I mean it sincerely. We have the best staff anywhere. I get too much credit. I know that. Our team does an incredible job. And what we see here is the same kind of idea that that Uzziah, he was leading an effort and there were people involved and God was driving it and, and he was in this danger zone. This is what it says in verse 15. In Jerusalem, talking about Uzziah, he made devices invented for use on the towers and on the corner defenses so that soldiers could shoot arrows and hurl large stones from the walls. His fame spread far and wide for he was greatly helped until he became powerful. He was greatly helped by God until he became powerful. But after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. He was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. See, the interesting thing is we pray for God's blessing. God bless me, God help me, God give me, whatever it is. And then when God does the work, we take the credit. God, give me this promotion at work. And then we get the promotion at work and we're like, I earned this. God, help me raise great kids. And God gives you great kids and you're like, I'm an awesome parent. Look at my kids. Right? God bless my marriage and then God blessed your marriage and you're like Psh, of course we got a good marriage look how good a husband I am now I'm joking this is tongue-in-cheek but let's be honest we do this it's amazing oh I haven't said this in the other services this is bonus coverage for you guys it's amazing how often I talk to people who find church and find God in a bad moment they're going through crisis. They're going through loss. They're going through difficulties. They, they come to church. They come to God. They, they, they cry out to him. God, I need you. They recognize their need. And then when things improve, they drift away from God. Because they stop recognizing their need for God. They go, well, my finances are fine now. My marriage is fine now. My, my kids are fine now. And they stop coming to church. They get out of godly relationships, out of godly community. And... and They're not saying I don't really need God, but what they're saying is, I'm good now, I don't need you anymore. And and this is what happens when things get good in our lives many times. We forget how things got good. See, Uzziah forgot what brought him to this place. He forgot it was God. He started believing that he was good. I got this, I'm the king. Look at all the stuff I've done. Look how incredible I am. They, these people, they could have done it without me. But he's forgotten who brought him the blessing, who brought him the authority, who brought him the power. A friend of mine, Kyle Hammond, pastors a wonderful church over in Columbus, Ohio, called Adventure Church. And Pastor Kyle, uh, one of my closest friends, he was here with us a couple years ago, and he preached a word that I found in the notes. Um, this last week, I was looking through some of my notes, and I found this From a sermon he preached, and this is what he said in that sermon. He said this, every blessing that doesn't turn to praise turns to pride. Because every blessing in our life, somebody's getting credit for it. Every good thing that happens in our life, somebody gets credit for. And if God doesn't get credit for it, we take credit for it. So what we have to be careful to do is is recognize what we have in our lives and, and recognize that everything we have, every good gift, is because God is good. It's not because I've earned it. It's because he's faithful. He's good. Psalm 103, verses 1 and 2 say this. Listen to this. It says, Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. Let all that I am praise the Lord. This is kind of a churchy saying. You wouldn't say this in normal life. But in church, we might hear someone say, let all that I am praise the Lord. And this is what the psalmist means by that. What the psalmist is saying is, I recognize that everything I have All the good things that he has done for me, everything I have in my life is because God has given it to me. He has graced these things in my life: my family, my house, my job, my kids, my my spouse. Let me go even further: the breath in my lungs, the resources that are available to me, my finances, whatever it might be. All these things are gifts from God. It's not because I've earned it. It's because God's been good. God's been faithful. And so if I frame my life that way, it makes it real hard for me to take credit for it. It makes it very difficult for pride to begin to grow in my life when I understand that I haven't earned this, God has been good. But too many times we don't turn blessings into praise, we turn it into pride. So what happens? Well, it says here that Uzziah had gone into the temple to burn incense on the altar of incense, but it says that he was unfaithful to the Lord God. Um, I think one of the worst things you could say about me is that I was unfaithful to my spouse, that I was unfaithful to Kim. That would be one of the worst things imaginable in my life for somebody to, to say that of me. But can you imagine someone saying you're unfaithful to God, the God of the universe, you're unfaithful. The word unfaithful, it's the Hebrew word ma'al. And um, it means to act unfaithfully, treacherously. But it means to do this against man, against God, against devoted things, against your spouse. It says husband because in the original context, it was in that language, in that context, it was a little slanted. But in our context, it would be against spouse. But what happened is, he was doing something he shouldn't have been doing in a place that he shouldn't have been going. It says he was unfaithful to God, but yet he didn't think he was being unfaithful to God. He thought he was doing the right thing. I'm being faithful. So how do you reconcile that? Well, the way you reconcile that is to understand that he was so blinded by his pride that he thought the rules didn't apply to him. He said, "Uh, I deserve to go in here, into this place I'm not supposed to go, and do something I'm not supposed to do. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go in here because I'm gonna honor God. Even though it was prohibited by the law for him to do that. He was not supposed to do that. But he said, the rules don't apply to me. I deserve to. And see, in the Old Testament, there was this line between common things, and holy things. And the, the people that were, that were responsible for handling the holy things were priests, generally speaking. And common people couldn't enter into holy places. The common people couldn't handle holy things because they were not cleansed. They were not holy. And if they did, depending on the circumstance, uh, it, could, it could cause death, literally, in their life. Yet here's the king who says, I deserve this. It's okay for me. The rules don't apply to me. I'm the king. The rules don't apply to me. I've done a lot here. See, pride makes us believe that we deserve something that isn't ours. Pride makes us believe that we've earned this. And he believed, I've earned the right to go into this space. I've earned the right to burn this incense on the altar of incense because that's who I am. What we see here is that he was unfaithful. In this word, ma'al, it means an affront to God, to his holiness. And our pride will disconnect us from the ability to handle holy things. So if you fast forward, in the world we live in today, um, there is no separation. Okay, Some people look at me and they go, well, you're holy, so you can do holy things. But I'm not holy because I'm not the pastor. Well, let me help you with something. Uh, There's something called the priesthood of believers. That means that all of us collectively have equal access to God through Jesus Christ. I don't get special access. I don't have a bat phone in my office that I pick up, right? We all have equal access to God. We all have equal access to holy things. But the thing that we have common with Uzziah is that pride will cause us to forfeit the right to handle holy things, that there are things that God has purposed for you. He has planned for you. He wants for you. But you're going to forfeit that opportunity because of pride. You're going you're to lay down an opportunity that God's got for you to handle holy things, to go into holy places, to do what he's called you to do, because pride will prevent you from doing that. Pride will break down relationship. Pride will cause us to believe that we deserve something that really isn't ours. See, Uzziah didn't give God the honor that he deserved because of his pride. And we can't honor God with disobedience. Uh, I've had this conversation with many couples. Um... And I'll have conversations with couples who will come to me and say, Pastor Mel, would you pray for our relationship? Would you pray that God will bless our relationship? i no, I I won't. Well, why why not? Well, you are living in a lifestyle that's contrary to the word of God. So there'll be a couple who's living together, but they're not married and they're having sex. And it's like, well, God can't bless that because he prohibits what you're doing. So God is not gonna be, complicit in our sin God's not going to say well you're living in a way that's contrary to what my word says but I'm going to bless you anyway God can't do that because he's holy so I've had to have this hard conversation with people and say I'm sorry I can't pray that God's going to bless your relationship because God can't bless your relationship does that make sense Because what's happened is our sin is preventing us from walking out God's purposes in our lives. And pride will do that. Pride will keep us from from walking in God's plans and purposes for us. Because we can't honor God with disobedience. It was interesting because when you look at this, God had given him his position and success and authority and riches and all the things that Uzziah had, but yet he still took credit for it. Verse 17, we see that um, Azariah was the, the high priest, Azariah, and the other priests, they follow Uzziah into the, uh, the room with the altar of incense, and they confront him, and they say, what are you doing? You can't do this. And they, they say, you're being unfaithful to God. It's the same word again. You're being unfaithful. And, and this is a pivotal moment. And it's interesting to see what happens next. Verse 19, it says, Uzziah, who had a censer in his hand ready to burn incense, became angry. While he was raging at the priests in their presence before the incense altar in the Lord's temple, leprosy broke out on his forehead. When Azariah, the chief priest, and all the other priests looked at him, they saw that he had leprosy on his forehead, so they had hurried him out. Indeed, he himself was eager to leave because the Lord had afflicted him. God's hardcore, isn't he? (laughs) You look at this verse and it looks punitive. It looks like he's just trying to punish him. Like, oh, you're gonna act up? I'll show you. But if you look a little deeper, I don't think that's the heart of God in this situation. I don't think God, God was just out to punish him. I think God was trying to correct him. But correction didn't begin when he got leprosy on his forehead. I think correction actually started whenever Azariah and the priests followed him into the room. They followed him in and they said, what are you doing? You know better than this. You can't do this. God can't bless you. You're being unfaithful. And you notice leprosy didn't break out on his forehead until after he responded. I really believe that God was giving him an opportunity to repent. I really believe he was giving him an opportunity to go, I can't believe what I was about to do. Wow, I'm an idiot. I'm so stupid. I can't believe it. Thank you, guys. But he didn't respond that way. It says, as he was raging at the priests, see, his pride had blinded him. He was so blinded by his pride that he thought they were wrong and he was right. Don't you know who? Who do you think you are? I'm the king. I can burn incense where I want to burn incense. And he's raging against them. And as it's happening, phew, right on his forehead, leprosy. Do you think that was an accident that it happened like that? I don't. Know. I think God knew exactly what he was doing. Hey, um, I'm going to confront pride in your prideful attitude, and I'm going to put leprosy on your forehead where it can't be hidden, where it's visible for the whole world to see. Leprosy was a condition that caused you to be ceremonially unclean. So you couldn't, you weren't supposed to be in the temple in that condition. You weren't supposed to be around people in that condition. And so they whisked him out. I mean, right away, let's get you out of here. And he was ready to go because he understood what was going on in that moment. But it's so crazy to me that he recognized in that moment that God had given him leprosy, but he still didn't recognize his error, he didn't recognize his own pride. He didn't recognize that everything he had was because the same God who gave him leprosy was the God who had given him everything else and he would not acknowledge it. Galatians 6.3 says this, if anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. If anyone thinks they've built a kingdom when it really God did, they deceive themselves. Whenever, if anyone thinks they've accomplished much, but really God did, they deceive themselves. If anyone, we could fill in this space a million different ways, right? You get the idea. We so easily deceive ourselves into thinking we've earned, we've accomplished, we've done, that we are our best moment. That's who we are. We fail to recognize that it is God who has provided, God who has done. Second Chronicles 26, 21 says this. King Uzziah had leprosy until the day he died. He lived in a separate house, leprous and banned from the temple of the Lord. Jotham, his son, had charge of the palace and governed the people of the land. So Uzziah was technically king, but he had to live in a separate house, and he lost the authority to rule. He was no longer really the king. He, because of his condition, he was banned from the temple. He couldn't go into the temple, because if he did, um, He would make other people unclean. And so until he was healed of his leprosy, he couldn't worship and he couldn't be around family, friends, people he knew and loved. His kids, his grandkids, the people around him, he was isolated for the rest of his life for all intents and purposes. This is what pride does. Pride will isolate us. Pride will break down healthy relationships. It'll cause us to think that the other people are the problem, and it it causes us to not stop or pause or or, or question and go, maybe maybe there's a problem with me. And all these broken relationships and all these issues, maybe it's me. You know, one of the things I love about David, um, you know, David... He had some huge high highs and some low lows. But throughout, he seemed to be a man who's really humble. Search me and know me. Reveal any wicked way in me. I love that prayer. God, if, if, if I'm a mess, if there's something wicked in my heart, show me. God, if there's something in me that I don't even recognize, I want to know it. That's how much I want to be like you. That's how, how, how much I want to be submitted to you. That's what he prays. Uzziah could have never prayed that prayer. I think God would have forgiven him. I think God would have healed him. I think God would have restored him. All those years that he spent in isolation, I think God would have done it if he would have just humbled himself and asked, but there's no record that he ever did. James chapter four, verse six. I love the book of James. one of my favorites. It says this, but he, talking about God, gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. He opposes the proud. He is is actively working against you if you are prideful. (laughs) Verse 10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Humble yourself, lower yourself before God and let him do the lifting. Verse 23, 2 Chronicles 26 is this. Uzziah rested with his ancestors and was buried near them in a cemetery that belonged to the kings, for people said he had leprosy. And Jotham, his son, succeeded him as king. Now we read his resume earlier. We talked about his resume, all the things he built and accomplished and did, all these great things, all these great feats. His fame reached as far as the the border of Egypt. I mean, it was crazy. He was well-known, but his legacy was he had leprosy. His legacy was his failure. It's so sad that with all the things you have done, that I have done in my life, um, one stupid mistake, one prideful moment can cause people to forget all the good and only remember the bad. We're talking about him today, not because of the good things he did. We're talking about him today because his pride. He had leprosy. And my prayer today is that we don't repeat these mistakes. That our legacy isn't their family was a mess. That that our legacy isn't he broke up his marriage because of stupidity. My prayer today is that our legacy is healthy and lasting and godly because our hearts are submitted to God, that we are humble before him and we trust him. It really comes back to uh, what we read at the beginning. 2 Kings 15, verse 4. It says that he did all the right things, but it says the high places, however, were not torn down. The people continued to offer sacrifices and burn incense there. There were little things. He, he did a lot of really good things, but we see this back at the beginning of his story. He never tore down the high places, the places of worship for false gods. He never did away with those. He let the people do what they wanted. Well, it's not that big a deal. And I believe that was the root to all of his problems. There were the little things that he failed to deal with, failed to get rid of. He failed to recognize that there are really a problem. And the same can happen in our lives if we don't recognize that, that everything in my life is from God. And if there's even a little bit of ungodliness in me, I want to submit it to God and let him root it out, let him do the work in me. That's what he wants for us. This is hard stuff. It really comes back to Grace. We don't deserve Jesus. We don't deserve heaven. We haven't done anything to earn it. We haven't done anything to merit it. In fact, it says in Ephesians chapter two, God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for good things we've done. So none of us can boast about it. This is grace. And saying, God, every good gift I have is from you including heaven, I can't earn that, I didn't deserve it. I started with a few questions. Let me finish with a couple questions. I want you to ask yourself these questions. Do I listen to others? Am I open to learning from other people? Do I show gratitude to those who contributed to my success? When was the last time I admitted that I was wrong about something? When was the last time that I said I'm sorry? How often am I the first one to say I'm sorry? I think these questions will give us a clue to where our heart really is. And I don't wanna condemn you today. I want you to know there's grace available to you. Jesus freely gave his life for you and I. Not because we deserved it, because he loved us so much. And God wants to make you a child of God. And it's not because of who we were on our best day. Because who we were on our best day is because God is good. That's not who our identity is. It's who God was on his best day. That's where we can find our identity. I'm gonna invite you to to pray a prayer with me in just a moment. If you've never really surrendered your life to Christ, and you're not really walking with Christ, I'm gonna give you that opportunity today. And I also wanna pray with you if you're here today and maybe you recognize you're struggling with some pride. Maybe you didn't even recognize it and realize it until today. But we're gonna pray a dangerous prayer in just a minute. And that prayer is God, break pride in our lives. And please, please, please don't pray that prayer unless you mean it. Because God doesn't just take away pride in your life. God's gonna put you in situations to strip the pride from your life. So if you're really serious about God humbling you and helping you be stripped of pride, he will do it, but it's gonna be painful. It's not gonna be easy so good because God's going to give you an opportunity to handle holy things and to go into holy places and to be a part of his purposes and plans if we'll simply humble ourselves before him Heavenly Father thank you for loving us so much thank you for giving your son not because we deserved it not because we've earned it but because you love us so much God I pray today you'd minister in those that are far from you that don't know you Maybe they went through a religious experience. Maybe they're they're here and they think that they've earned it because they're moral, because they're good. God, help us to recognize the fact that none of us are good enough to earn salvation. None of us are good enough to merit heaven. So God, help us to see that literally everything in our life is because you are good. And you love us. and You're faithful. Lord, I pray that you would draw those who don't know you today into relationship with so you got to have your way with us over these next few moments. And with your head bowed and your eyes closed, nobody's looking around. If you're here and you'd say to me, "Mel, I'm not really walking with Christ, but I know I need to, and I want to be included in this final prayer. I want to make Jesus Lord of my life." Would you be bold enough to slip your hand up real high? You can put it right back down. If you say, "Mel, pray for me," yeah, thank you on my left. Yeah, thank you on my right. I see you in the back. Thank you on my right here. Thank you. Who else would say, "Mel, pray for me"? I want to be included in this final prayer. I want to make Jesus Lord of my life today. Yeah, thank you. Up in the balcony, I see you. Praise God! You can put your hand down. Awesome. A couple more seconds. Anyone else? Yeah, I see you up in the balcony. Thank you. Praise God. Book of Romans tells us if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. So I want you to pray this prayer with me out loud, I want you to say this with your mouth, but I want you to mean it from the core of who you are, your heart, and so you're gonna say this prayer with me and I believe God is gonna do the work in you. So everybody in this place, repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me so much that you sent Jesus, your only son, to pay the penalty for my sins on the cross. From now on, I'm going to live for you. Use me for your glory. I repent of all my sin, and I'm asking you to use me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give God a round of applause today. Listen, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, whether you raised your hand or not, Scripture tells us you're a new creation. The old is gone the new is come. I would love for you to take the next step in your faith journey. Before I get into that though, uh, I wanna take a second for the rest of us. If you're here today, and, I, and this, is, this is some pride stuff here, I'm not having you bow your head and close your eyes, but if you're here today and you'd say, Mel, what you said today, man, the Holy Spirit was dealing with me about some stuff and I recognize that there are some issues of pride in my life that I need God to resolve. And I wanna submit to God today, I wanna submit those things to him. Would you be bold enough to slip your hand up real high and just admit, yeah, that's me. I need I need God to help me. Yeah. Awesome. 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 Do me a favor, keep your hand up for a second. If you were one of the people that raised your hand, and if you're sitting near one of those people, would you just reach over and put a hand on their shoulder? Especially if you know them, put a hand on their shoulder, just reach out and touch them. If there's somebody next to you that's got their hand up, just reach over and uh, grab their hand or put your arm around them, something like that. We're just gonna pray together, okay? Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you are a God who answers prayers. And God, we're praying a hard prayer today. We're praying a hard prayer right now. And we're praying for humility. God, we invite you. to to humble us before you. Remind us of who you are. Remind us of what you've done for us. Remind us that what we have is not because of us, it's because of you. So God, I pray that that you would strip us of pride, humble us so that we can be used for holy purposes and holy ways. Lord, I pray for every person that raised their hand in this place today, that you would speak life into them, that you would remind them of who they are, Uh, not in in an arrogant way, but in the filter of who you are that they can see who they are through their identity as a child of God. Lord, I pray that you would put them in situations where, where they will continually humble themselves. Lord, I pray when that difficulty comes, God, you're going to remind them your Holy Spirit's going to help them power through some of those difficult talks, some of those difficult conversations, some of those moments. So God, I just pray in the name of Jesus, you would humble us and it would be all for your glory. God, it is worth it. If you, can be used, if you can use us for your glory. So God, we submit ourselves fully to you. God, as a church, humble us. Do, do whatever you need to do in this body to use us for your glory. God, we hold nothing back from you. We submit it all to you. We trust you we're asking you to do the work in us, to use us as a church, use me as a pastor, however you want. So God, I just pray a blessing on those who responded today and they're praying this hard prayer. Use them in incredible ways. Humble us for your glory. We decrease so you may increase. It's in the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Amen, amen. Thank you guys, thank you guys for praying with us today. Listen, if you prayed a prayer for salvation just a moment ago, um, I would love for you to take the next step. We want to help you grow in your faith and discover everything that God's got for you. The simplest thing for you to do, if you prayed that prayer online or here in the room, is simply text the word SUMMITPA, all one word, S-U-M-M-I-T-P-A. Text SUMMITPA to the number nine four zero zero zero. You'll have a prompt. You'll have a few options. If you'll select salvation, uh, let us know. We're gonna respond back to you and we're gonna help you take the next step in your faith journey. If you'd prefer, you can simply fill out the card in the seat back in front of you that says salvation. Take it to our information center, give it to them. They're gonna help you take the next step. So thank you for joining us today. We really do appreciate it. I'm gonna pray a final prayer over you, a prayer of blessing. And while I'm doing that, our prayer team and our staff are gonna come forward and they're gonna be here for prayer. If you need prayer for any reason at all, as we're dismissed in just a moment, make your way forward and let one of them Pray with you today. So let me pray and then we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, thank you for all you've done. Thank you for the people who have said yes to you. Thank you for the people who have said, I need pride stripped out of my life. God, I pray that you would do that work as painful as it might be, help us to see the good come from it as we have healthier families, healthier relationships with you and the people around us. And ultimately, God, you're gonna use us for your purposes. So God, I pray a blessing on us as we leave this place today that we would walk in the authority as children of God, but we would understand that it is your authority alone. So God, empower us to make a difference in our community, in our, in, our, in our workplaces, in our schools, wherever we may go. Use us for your glory, Lord. We love you. We thank you. And we can't wait to see what you're going to do. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Guys, I love you more than you know. I'm so glad I get to be your pastor. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.